what what what's a big what's a big target now so you know it's the one across bitcoin twitter or bitcoin land where it is because one is an old target you know when it was in four figures yeah well the, the, the last target on bitcoin twitter was 6.15 that was the amount of bitcoin if you get 6.15 bitcoin you get um big city bitches and infinite rich <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is the store value this is it so just put your money in the in, into bitcoin instead that's because why do people buy gold it's a hedge against inflation why do people buy property they want to gain grow their wealth no one wants to look after a huge property portfolio i don't know why anyone would want to do that with their free time it's fucking stressful as fuck and there's a lot of admin do you, you want to be getting your own home farm getting some chickens some cows I mean, doing what you want, then shooting your quad bikes and on your jet ski in your lake. Exactly. We are back once again, the world's most bullish podcast. Myself, Sir Neverlook, Dr. Evil 10%, and Mr. Orlin. And she was here, but she's never here. Mrs. No Show. Thank you, everyone, for continuing to stick with us. We're here, right? Pod 34. It's been going quite a while now, hasn't it? Still not cancelled. Yeah. Just about. Yeah. I don't, I don't, don't think we're outrageous all the time. We've turned it down for a little bit, but we still say fucking well. We always come across various <laughs> topics which set us off. It's usually inflation, <laughs> and we have to limit our inflation stories so we get a bit too yeah. excited. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, I, mean, if, but, I think if we were a Twitter account, we'd have been cancelled. Yeah. Uh, we, sure. we saw the Pelosi tracker and the uh, Maxwell trial tracker get cancelled today, which I was gutted because I follow both. I love the output from those. And, uh, and and what what rules do you think they broke? Just pissed Truth. off people. I think from what I read on an earlier tweet was um, the Pelosi tracker got a cease and desist letter, um, but okay. but they just went no. There's no reason why you can do cease and desist. And also, I think if a per- how a person said no, I think they're probably quite untrackable. Mm. So, and yeah. the Max- Maxwell one, I don't know because it's public information, so I'm a bit unsure. But I'm sure there's some outrageous opinion on there, which probably was how Twitter got them, because it's not just fact, 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 this is what happened. It is various opinions on there, you know, like release this about X or thing he was on the Lolita Express. Um, what did they get up to? So, yeah, it probably was opinion more. Yeah, it, It's a very clever capsule when you do the cease and desist letter, because if you don't agree with it, then you have to fight it and you have to put a legal case forward as to why you're allowed to say what they are claiming copyright over. So if you just go, I ignore you, the next thing they do is just send the same thing to Twitter and go, this person is on your platform infringing on our rights. You have to, you know, they've said they, they don't care. So therefore you have to do something. And that's what they, they just go in through the back door because they actually don't want a court case because they know full well a court case would take years and at the end yeah you, you delete the twitter account because you probably won't defend yourself either but 
if it's YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, it's basically it's it's a platform for the rich because you can just go around doing cease and desists on everyone. You need to decentralized pla- is what it comes down to, isn't it? Exactly. You need someone that isn't in the middle that can just switch your account off. It should be. No, if you want me to switch my total account off and stop me, say, bad mouthing you, you need to sue me in a court of law and actually well. prove that I am saying something that is libelous. And then if you win the case, then I have to remove what I have to remove. But in the weird world we live in now, where everything is so centralized just around a couple of platforms, the, it's whoever's got the, the most lawyers. And if they can just throw a couple of grand at something, you know, and then they've got these lawyers on retainer anyway. If you're someone like Pelosi and all that stuff, she'll have a full-time lawyer. Of course she has, so, because she's the world's most successful investor. Yeah. <laughs> um, one which happened this week as well was, um, was it Andrew Neil, um, the journalist. So we saw him have a bit of a meltdown over vaccine passports. And then someone basically called him a nonce for going on the Lolita Express. But, you know, it doesn't seem like the per- person who would be in that kind of situation um but you know he um then i think went to sue the person so i don't think he can do a cease and desist but he just said i've got your details now they were my lawyer um we got all your details so we're going to sue you and i suppose that's the right way to do it because the person's just gone oh shit i've overstepped it now um because yeah I, i just well i'm very doubtful there's any kind of evidence linking into that kind of situation yeah, you do have to be careful. It's um, the the internet is not a the wild west that it once was, especially when you're on a platform like Twitter or Facebook, because they know who you are. Even if you think you're just a cat, you're not. They, <laughs> they know your IP address. They know your phone number. They know your email address most likely. So mm-hmm. they will they will use that. And if you if they think you've broken the law, which in a libelous situation, it's a bit of a thin line whether that's enough. If it's a death threat or racist abuse, then you're, you're totally going to get um, doxxed and they're going to give your name and address out. The because libel one, more of a grey area. I'm not sure Twitter would give your name and address out for that. Well, but he, he said that he got some details for it. Yeah. So I'm only following what I've seen on the tweets, but I kind of did think that, you know, he he kind of deserves to say on that because it just seemed completely out of order what someone was trying to label him as. Yeah, because yeah. you'll always use those details, those real details, as your fallback should you need to reset your account. So you need some form of reality and authenticity, won't you? Even if it's just a parody account. Yeah, you've got to be careful. It's, it's so easy to call someone a nonce, but that's very different to calling someone a dickhead or a fascist mm. or even a Nazi, right? You can You can pretty much call people that. But if you, it's, what's weird, your favorite status cook? Status cook, yeah, <laughs> yeah, status cook. That's a good one. Or bootlicker, yeah. So yeah. they're all good. They're all good ones. But the, weirdly, the two that I know are definitely libelous. Other than the obvious ones, with death threats and racism, they're obviously illegal. But the other ones are fraud and nonce. You can't call people those things. Elon, Elon called someone a nonce and got away with it. They no, he didn't. Some kind of is some South African uh, term. He didn't get away with it. He um, had to pay that guy off loads. That was the Thailand guy, wasn't it? That was slagged him off when he get, made some kind of what was it submarine to get those kids out, and he said it was useless. And Elon's an idiot, just trying to get press attention. So, yeah, he called him a nonce. Uh, I think he made a good couple of million dollars. They settled out of court. Ah, uh, I didn't realize. Obviously, that gone hush hush. 
No, it was no, it was it, it, it went hush hush because Elon just went fine up, hey. Because he, he can't say he didn't say it. He just he freaking yeah. tweeted it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's out there. It was it was at the same time that he was getting sued by the SEC as well for um, not sued, just prosecuted by the SEC for tweeting about the Tesla share price, and they removed him as chairman and CEO, and then he just put himself as. Lord Commander of Tesla instead. He went, fine, I'm not chairman. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, because it all happened at the same time. Wasn't his finance director changed to Master of Coin or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to love him, haven't you? Yeah. I think you got to have yeah. something like that with a decentralised, you know, there's got to be some kind of comeback, surely. I was going to say, I think that's probably going to, and like with most things, it's going to be their downfall. So that will be the platform's downfall through all of this deplatforming of others. And, uh, and also being one of the only platforms, obviously you've got your Twitters out there. YouTube do it quite often as well, uh, as we've seen over time. And uh, yeah, there's probably, there's room for something new. Does yeah. um, JP does JP Sears ever get um, deplatformed because he's quite close to the line a lot of the times, isn't he? Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that he hasn't been deplatformed actually because um, yeah, I, I think what he's good at is slagging off both sides quite regularly. But it so, seems to just be one side at the moment. Yeah, well, I, well, I think weirdly it's only because there isn't anyone else to go at. So when Trump was around, he was going at him which is he's technically obviously the right. But now Biden's in, he's going at Biden. So he's just pro-people, anti-government, really. That's why he, I think that's why, I think he actually thought he was a bit of a left, left-leaning left guy, which is why I think he, he dismissed Bitcoin and he actually thought, oh yeah, Trump guys are idiots. And the left are more sensible. But I think over the last couple of years, when Biden's got in, he's gone, <laughs> oh, like, this isn't a Trump thing. This is actually, like Trump was a big it's distraction. But it's yeah, it doesn't matter who is standing behind that podium, like the same thing happens and they just steal your money, and that's what's clicked him yeah. into Bitcoin. They pretend that they're caring, they're gonna give it to the poor, then they take it off the poor and give it to themselves. Yeah, and and you can say people like Trump are you know locking down borders, they only care about themselves, and you know, they're hurting immigrants, they're hurting the, the working man. But then yeah, Biden gets in and does exactly the same, carries yeah. on building the wall. And they've all- um, put a flight ban on Africa because of the um, Omicron. Um, yeah, like 50 and, cases. Yeah. And Trump did the same or wanted to do the same, and he was labelled a racist. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? When Trump does it, just about everything Trump did was racist, and then Biden does the same thing, and it's protecting the American people. You go... Well, the only one who said, the only one who said openly racist comments is Biden. And there's yeah. actually videos of him doing that. Yeah. <laughs> he did it in his campaign. And then, but yeah, he's got some out and out racist comments in his history. He's been around in politics yeah. for 30 years. It's around about 200 years, isn't it? 250? And <laughs> <laughs> they had to draw pictures of everything. There he was, looked about the same, still a load of shite coming out of his mouth. Yeah. He just always yeah. looked old. Yeah. yeah but, but hopefully, Jack Dorsey goes off here. He's quit Twitter now. He said in one of his last tweets that he ever did was he wanted to create a decentralized Twitter. So I, only, I hope that the reason why he's left is that he wanted to build it with the resources he had at Twitter. And I would guess that their board just went, no, like you can't build that here. So he's gone, okay, fine, I will leave. 
take a load of my share capital, sell some of it, reset up as a decentralized Twitter, and I'm going to build it again. How much would you be willing to pay a month for um, a decentralized? Like £10 a month, same as my Netflix. See, I'd have to get used to the concept of paying for something like that. I think I know. I, it would be really? strange. Like, I'm thinking to my head, what is a fair price? And, you know, you're playing for, paying for a platform, someone to leave you a fuck alone. So I'm kind of like, would I pay a tenner? I'm not entirely sure. Well, leave you alone, no adverts. Yeah. I, I would, no adverts and video content. So bringing Twitter and a YouTube kind of style, yeah. I'd probably pay a fiver a month. I'd be happy with a fiver. I could, I could live with that one. It's, it's bizarre yeah. though, because like we're, we're so used to like, the entire, well, there's certain services on the internet. We're just, we, we're totally conditioned to not pay. Mm. And it's, it's Google, Facebook. You know, we said if you get something for free, then yeah. um, then you're paying for, well, you, they're using you as a product, aren't they? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's very weird because they're, they're almost the most common ways of using the internet. But everything else you've got to pay for, right? Anything entertainment related, you know, the amount of subscriptions people have, whether it's for your for your podcast, for your audio stuff, you know, yeah. films, sport, everything you pay per month for. But actually where we have free speech, which is the social networking platforms, none of them have charged. So they've all got huge based on that business model we are now the product and before it was kind of fine like there's selling our data to to shill us products but i wasn't that bothered about having personalized adverts in reality it's like fine i know i'm going to see ads they might as well be related to the stuff i might want to buy but then the problem is now what they've layered on is they've become so centralized now the government's come in and now they're starting to censor freedom of speech and you can just be deplatformed at any point and then this nice little free environment suddenly is not free, really. Or at least the cost of entry is, yeah. oh, you also need to abide by the government rules. And you go, well, hold on. No, this, this is, I should be able to say what I want, right? If people don't like it, they can block me, they can mute me, they can do what they want. But I shouldn't be deplatformed from the whole thing. But that's what's what happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm someone who regularly mutes, mutes people. I mute yeah. people on... Um, on LinkedIn and mute them on um, Twitter. So like I go through my LinkedIn feed and it just ends up with baby pictures and all kinds of shit. So I just mute, I'm not interested in this, I'm not interested in this. If someone does it regularly, they get muted. But it's kind of like, I'm not going to de-platform for that. And I saw, um, yeah. I think it was one which you, um, like Mr. Orlin, um, I think two of your friends about some kind of pregnancy and you know some horrendous comments about it it's just like you do realize this is linked to your job <laughs> and you say me things but you know my kind of like was like i don't want to see this shit so i just i don't want to see it i'm not going to sit there and like slate someone for sharing something i'm just it's my work network i'm not interested in it yeah it's funny actually a few people have uh, talked to me about wow Gaz is quite controversial online, isn't he? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I think he just probably says what you think, but it says it. He's a, he's <laughs> a, he's a, he's a keyboard warrior. Yeah. yeah. I'd happily say it to their face. It's just, it's like, yeah, something I never say, I never hardly ever attack individuals. And um, I just, I literally, it's just, if, at the moment, just being like, just saying, I don't think people should be forced to take a vaccine is controversial right now, isn't it? And that would be yeah. probably a slackable offence. So all I'm really saying is that, and I'm supporting the messages that are coming out. I'm liking and commenting on them, doing the odd status update myself. Yeah. But it shouldn't be controversial. This is like, why did, 
if I'd have come out and gone, oh, I'm not, I'm not taking the polio vaccine or any other vaccine, everyone had gone, well, good luck. We're having it. You don't have it then. All right. And you go on with your day, don't you? Yeah. Only this one. And they don't realize why this is so controversial. Like, it's almost a very good way of knowing where the, the barriers are coming in. Like, what can't you say in society? If there's something just by having an opinion about it, you're scared. That's almost definitely something we could go should go and look at more because there's yeah, probably yeah. something going on there and they're going to keep getting closer and closer to other opinions you have. And we should, if anything, look at the taboo subjects and talk about them even more just to go what's in here. Because yeah. it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be a topic that you're just not even allowed to have an opinion on. And um, Or there isn't the government line. Well, we've ended up with this very left-leaning kind of society, really weirdly. And it's, um, oh yeah, we've got to be nice to everyone, everyone's opinion um, counts but not that opinion and we've very yeah. qu- we've very quickly gone into that over the last 10 years um because yeah. it's been gradual because i thought to myself we've been sucked in about certain things and now it's just ended up being well completely the opposite of what the left has always preached about free speech yeah mm. i find it hilarious at the moment it's all about inclusion right all about inclusion everyone skin color um height weight gender sexuality everything's fine right however if you support trump or aren't vaccinated then go go, go die you know and it's yeah. almost just yeah. yeah yeah we're allowed to just kill these people it's like hold on i thought we were the peace and love and flowers kind of group you can't pick and choose like everyone is a person right and everyone should be listened to and no matter how offensive you think their their um their opinions are but yeah, it's, these, it's these people easy. claim to be what's it libertarians as well yeah yeah and it's just like that is not what one is really this is, this is they're really they're all status cucks and uh that's, that's <laughs> they, they're getting their opinions and their, their their definition of inclusivity and their definite definition of diversity from the government it's like instead of their own brains which is why they're just so inconsistent with what they're saying if you if you speak to a bitcoin libertarian they, they will absolutely, we would fight for the right for shitcoiners to be able to promote their scams because we, we, if, if they can't promote a scam, it means then someone else might be getting silenced for promoting a really good cause. So you can't have any censorship. Um, but the people that are supporting this type of censorship think they are 100% inclusive and they're just like, silencing the very edge cases that are super dangerous to society. And yeah, the, the, the second you go down the censorship route, the second you even censor one person, it's broken. It's yeah. um, Now it's a slippery slope until you're silencing everyone that doesn't absolutely agree with you on every single topic. And like, if we yeah. talk for long enough about enough topics, we'll eventually fall out and go, right, <laughs> you're cancelled then because you don't agree with me on that. Like you, you end up just talking in an echo chamber and that's, and unfortunately, we end up in like a North Korea or a China type social network it where kind of, it goes back to george orwell novels doesn't it you know that kind of dystopia so 1984 and um, animal farm is one which really comes to mind where they kind of censor and censor to the point that it is what was it which they say all animals are equal it ends up some animals are more equal than others exactly yeah the pigs are slightly more equal than the other animals which is why mm-hmm. they get to live in the farmhouse and have all the nice food and nice warmth yeah but um, talking of speeches, uh, let's pick up on your speech that you did last week. Yeah, so it's happened. Yeah, so I, I can paste it in 
to this podcast if we want when you shove it on the end or something yeah but um but yeah i think i was quite a bit optimistic last week i think um it's, it's one of those things you have in your head where you, you go that these are business people they should have their head screwed on and then so you think oh maybe i could maybe they're gonna react well to this type of bitcoin speech talking about how businesses can use bitcoin they put it on the balance sheet pay their employees and just accept bitcoin but then just before i got up i looked around the room and everyone was laughing and joking they're getting hammered people are like getting shots in the bar and you go mm, this isn't this is actually really exactly what i expected like why did i expect anything different you've got the ceo sat on sat on each table and then he's got a load of his employees surrounding him all kind of there for a night out and they were there to get their reward so so yeah so i got up there i did the speech it went kind of well as well as it probably could but i obviously slated shit coiners and no coiners at some point and um there were some shit coiners in the room who like started rustling there were some ethereum guys sat right in front of me and they were just like shaking their head chatting um throughout the whole thing um, well, so yeah, do, afterwards do they try and stick up for Flickr? <laughs> who knows i didn't the, the comedian called them out and went what are you talking about over here and they were saying ethereum but he didn't know what they meant he's like dogecoin and he went, no, Ethereum. He's like, Ethereum, bum. Like, what? And he just went <laughs> off. Like, didn't, he literally didn't know what they meant. And that, so that just made, that made me laugh by the time I was sat down. I'm but good. no, yeah, so some conversations happened afterwards. But there was two good ones. And focus on the positive. There was two good ones. People wanted to move large amounts of money around and store large amounts of money. And they wanted to know how to do it in Bitcoin. So I've now emailed them. The sailors got some guides. We've obviously got Strike, who do settlement. There's also Coinboys, Coinbase settlement as well. Mm. So I gave them some links, set them off on their journey. So hopefully they're going. They, they were both settling hundreds of millions per month, moving oh. it around the country. Can you say what kind of businesses? Yeah, they're the settlement businesses. So they sit in the background, basically. So when companies do want to pay large bills and move investment money around the world, they are essentially like, high profile accountants like moving the money and trying oh. to make it tax efficient and i think they almost do the hedging as well you know so i don't think companies do it themselves they almost give they employ companies to make sure their their balance sheet is hedged sometimes it seemed to be what these guys were doing uh so yes yeah, so they had and weirdly one guy had a load of bnb he had it from china he's like i need to figure out how to get it into the into europe sorry so bnb bnb yeah so it's binance coin so the the large oh. exchange it's the yeah, so yeah. CZ, the CEO of Binance, they have a BNB coin. Yeah. And um, yeah, he had some like 200 million of that. <laughs> and it's but that's got I didn't really know the answer to his question because he was moving it from China into Europe. He's like, oh, there's loads of legislative re, like, like um barriers to get a, basically a, an unregulated currency from China into Europe. I'm like, why I'm not educated on that stuff, I'm not qualified. But look, you can do it. Here's the services to do it. But mm -hmm. yeah, whether it's legal, what rules, uh, do China allow it? Fuck knows. China have banned everything. So I, I don't know on that one. Because that's the thing with China. They don't want money to leave their country. Um, and interestingly enough, Binance have just gone for FCA approval as well. So um, yeah, they, they're trying to legitimize even more their business because they have been seen as one of those exchanges that aren't necessarily uh, whiter than white. 
uh, out there as well. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So if you're moving 200 million from that exchange into UK, yeah. there's a whole host of money laundering and right. terror financing type problems that are going to come with that money. So, yes, yeah, so I was like, look, this is, I guess really what it probably shows is when you really get into the weeds, if you're not doing something basic, the, set, like the two requests that came up to me was all about this settlement of moving huge amounts of money around the world. Mm. And you can do it a Bitcoin, but look straight away, you, you're in a regulatory quagmire because technically you can do it. But are you legally allowed to? I don't know on a lot of that. Just putting your own money on your balance sheet, paying your paying your employees or accepting Bitcoin as payment. I know that's all, that's all sound, but they didn't mm. come up and ask questions about that. I, they, they moved straight into a more complex version of it. Um, the so, other people that came up to me were just full of FUD. And they were just so So you, you had FUD no coiners, FUD shit coiners, shit coiners, these, <laughs> heavy, these two heavyweights. Did you have anyone who just said, tell me more about Bitcoin? Yeah, there was two people on, on my table, actually. I, and I think because they were longer conversations, so they, they weren't like coming up to me with a point. They were just going, go and tell me more. And uh, so I think I got quite far with those two. And um, they, were, they were super in, in on it. But I think, unfortunately, this was, it plays into it. There was one that was probably about 45 and then one of probably 25. And really, they were both in the same position going, I don't even have any money to invest. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, they, they just thought they can't afford to. I was going to um, say that. I was going to say, oh, people I'm sure, feel like they've missed the boat. I'm um, sure they have money. I'm sure they're just spending up to their limits, you know. So I think with people yeah. in that kind of event, they'll, they'll have some money, even though they're just employees. It's just they're like, oh, I don't, you know, I like my meals out. I like my leased car i like my subscriptions and all the other you know bits on top which i have and this is yeah. prior, it's prioritization and until you actually look into your finances your retirement plan inflation you don't understand how yeah. urgent it actually is because i didn't really understand you know and so never look and i are looking into that moment and it's just <laughs> it's so confusing and so hard to work out a way and i'd say we're you know, relatively financially educated, whereas most people aren't. Exactly. That that was going to be my point, yeah. Because they, they were, I think I got them pretty sold on Bitcoin. They were pretty much going, okay, this sounds good. And I was going, just put £10 in, you know, you know everyone can afford that £10. Like, just get off zero. Yeah. Get off zero was my point. Like, just get off zero. Anything you can afford to hold for five years. And straight away they went, oh, there's no money I can't hold for five years. I went £10. And, and do another £10 in six months. Like, just really starts more. And the problem was these people have never invested. They barely ever saved because where they're growing up in a world where saving is stupid because inflation so they got, is- they've got their mandatory pension and that's it. Yeah. And they're just, I'm hoping, just hoping for some massive pay rises or bonuses that are coming around the corner. I mean, everyone's just hoping on this, their career will work out. And on a windfall, the people are hoping on a windfall. I feel like there's a lot of FOMO around any investing whatsoever because oh I need to be looking at a computer screen all day and I think also mentally it's hard for people to get over the fact that there's obviously 21 million bitcoins but they won't even be able to get one and so in their mind they're thinking well I've got to get one but that price of one is so much and they they don't get the fact that even a fraction of one 
is okay because uh, uh, it just feels small small fry of of what but that's great yeah. I was, I was, the one thing i tried to explain because someone said exactly that they're going look bitcoins it is what, what what's a big what's a big target now so you know it's the one across bitcoin twitter or bitcoin land where it is because one is an old target you know when it was in four figures yeah, well, the, the, the last target on Bitcoin Twitter was 6.15. That was the amount of Bitcoin. If you get 6.15 Bitcoin, you get um, big titty bitches and infinite riches. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of got knocked down. It, that's, knocked an old, down. that's an old school one, isn't it? So that'll be <laughs> yeah, a few years that, back. That was back from 2017 when <laughs> basically a, a whole, to get that was about 10K. So that was the that was the milestone. So we knocked it down to oh, 0.615. So 0.615 would be about 20k around that around that mark. So that's achievable if you do that over a number of years. But obviously, I don't expect anyone to get to that because in the next couple yeah, of from, years, from it won't zero be now, you'd yeah, you pretty much have to have the money up front in order to get that yeah. right now. So it, it, I mean, would you say like 0.1 is like probably the target now? Yeah, well, I think start to nominate it in Satoshi's essentially. So you can say, you know, start with a million sats. So a million sats is about 500 pounds. And then, yeah, like 400 pounds a day, actually. So it'd be 400 quid. And then you do 10 million sats, that's four grand. And then, yeah, once you get to 100 million sats, then it's the 40K again. So, yeah. I mean, so just it's do it sats. About, so it's maybe about 10 million mark. Is a big one which is achievable but a push yeah I and mean, maybe yeah just started the million try and get a million sats that's 500 quid so mm. start at your 20 30 quid and, and work up and then then it's, it's literally just stacking sats and i tried to get this point if you divide the 21 million by the 8 billion people it's only twenty five thousand sats so that's a tenner so for every tenner you get in that is one person's allocation of bitcoin so if you get yeah. 20 pound in, that's an allocation that someone else can't have. Now you've got it. So just keep stacking allocate allocations. But so, what would you, I mean, that's obviously based upon the split of a world population. But if we looked at it on, say, one which is probably more around the richness of the UK and the share of wealth of an average UK person, I mean, maybe that would be a better way to position it because it obviously would be higher. I also think you probably need to visualize it as well, as opposed to verbally verbalizing it. So if you can visualize, okay, this is the amount of the population and I've just killed two people from that 8 billion that will never be able to get it from me just putting in 20 pounds. Oh, okay, right. I see it. And it is like, I think we talked about it on one of the pods where when you visualize what, a million dollars looks like and then 10 million and so on you actually see well a million could just fit on you know fit on your chair it's it's kind of small <laughs> and then it gets bigger and bigger um yeah i think it's hard for people to to, to do that because we're talking about numbers and visualization that most people don't actually have and that's why i think also most people don't visualize what's going to happen in the future they again just hope and dream and kind of walk around sleepwalking but it's not it's not their fault it's not their fault no. i was there 
it, it is a combo of just not knowing how to invest and also just being terrified of Bitcoin. When you're yeah. off that have that combo you just and it's not realizing you know we think that they'll magically be able to retire you know we think that they're the boomers whereas the boomers have managed to retire but we're not going to have that look you've got to really really work for it yeah yeah it was and i must admit like by the time i got on stage i drank a bottle of wine so and i was i was going slow it took three hours it started at seven and i wasn't on till 10 then there's another hour of awards. So by the time the conversations happened, it was at 11 at night. Oh, so right. Wow. People were pretty lubricated by this point. And um, I think that's what gave so many people the confidence to kind of just come up to me and go, I need to tell that Bitcoin guy that he's wrong. <laughs> I think they, they were just so, assuming that their yeah. random article from Ray Dialio that they'd read like six weeks ago, I hadn't heard it. And them telling me that Bitcoin isn't currency was going to blow my mind. And I'm just, well, the six and a half million people in El Salvador using it as currency, is, is that just a lie? What are you talking about, mate? Did you, um, <laughs> Ray says, I don't give a fuck what Ray says. What, what, sh- what shit coins did they, um, did they talk about? Um, they, they didn't, no, no shit coiners actually came up to me. I just heard them. So it was um, Ethereum guys. And I think they were NFTs as well. Uh, Fucking yeah. NFTs. JPEG. Go and sit over your JPEG collection on your, on your disc. I, uh, did, I saw something where um, Gary V said he made $91 million on his uh, NFTs. I was traveling at the time, as you know, so I, I didn't manage to actually click on it and then click through to try to get it because I know that he used to, or probably still does, he's into baseball cards and, um, and basketball cards a lot, right? So obviously the physical cards and the rarity of those, I get that. But the NFTs, I don't know. Maybe I'm a, the new age boomer when it comes to NFTs. Here's a question about collectibles. So obviously it's about scarcity. Mm. But you put you put money into investments because money is, well, it's devaluing year on year. So do you think by going on something solid like a sound money like Bitcoin as a standard, things like trading cards would have such a high, high value because surely if your money's not devaluing, you're not going to be as willing to put your money into something to try and get value. Yeah, so it's a good so, argument, yeah. I, was, I think it's in the fiat standard. I can't quite remember because I was reading it before, before I went to sleep last night. And there was the whole thing about house investments, like you invest in houses because your money devalues in the bank, so you need to put it in something which gives you a yield. And um, that's a kind of like same kind of concept. People would not buy the same amount of rentals as they do now. And therefore, you wouldn't have the housing crisis. You wouldn't have the massive inflation of prices because people would be like, well, I can leave money in the bank because it's not going to devalue mm-hmm. against the price of a Mars bar. But now you're going, shit, I've got to put my money into something. Otherwise, it's going to dwindle down to nothing. Massively. Yeah. And that pivots us perfectly into the Sailor interview. I don't know if you managed to watch it. It's the one with uh, Peter McCormack on what Bitcoin did. No, it's about two hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long one. I listened to some of it. I've listened to all of it, though. Okay. It's a great interview. Basically, Peter asks about three questions throughout the entire thing. And, (laughs) uh, you know, Michael Schiff just, or Michael Schiff, Michael Saylor goes on and just, um, he just goes into these great just rants, but they're so well-practiced. And he really goes back to, he won't just answer the question you asked. You go, right, 
to answer that, I need to go back three steps and you'll go back through. Mm. But basically he articulates for the first time quite clearly the point that must be in the fiat standard as well. And essentially what he says is that once Bitcoin eats gold as the store of value, the next thing it's going to come for is property. Because the only reason why people are um, buying property is because they're, they're running from inflation. And the, the core kind of value of a property is just the utility that that house has, which is to, for someone to live in it. But the problem is because it's, it's got much higher, it's got a monetary premium on top of its utility because everyone's fleeing inflation. Once you take away fleeing from inflation and you move to a Bitcoin standard, there will be a housing market crash where people suddenly sell their buy to lets and move that value into Bitcoin instead because the returns will be higher. Mm. And that will essentially <laughs> just flood the market and, and, and house prices will go back down and be affordable because you're be only going to want one house. I mean, like I'm only in one house and in that situation. I think it would be great because I do think about how, how the hell will my kids afford a house? But it makes a lot of sense. But now I'm also thinking, did I just actually listen to this and it wasn't in the fiat standard because that is exactly the point. Um, so I may have actually listened to this and I've just kind of moulded all my learnings. Oh, into okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. They do yeah. become one, don't they? Well, that's it. it. Like, it doesn't matter where it comes from. It's as long as I educate myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a very interesting point now. I must admit, I was thinking of Seneverluck when he um, was talking about this because when you're even an example of it, right? Like the yeah. Bitcoin has probably stopped you in your in, in your in your stride, right? You were just going to continue out your property portfolio. You've realized that actually money is just hyperinflating. The tax man is just killing you on this property stuff anyway, because the government, they want to keep you poor, want to keep you down, want to keep the property on their hands anyway. They're making it difficult anyway to have to build a property portfolio in 2021 from zero is tough. So you're looking just for easier options and, and higher returns. And Bitcoin's just right there. So you're probably an example of someone that is now going to stop inflating the housing market because you're going to stop putting your money there and you're going to start putting it somewhere else. Spot on. You nailed it. Nailed it. I've just literally got my second one finished. Uh, had someone come around today to view and I'm like, this is great, but I won't be doing this anymore. Not because I don't want to, but probably because it's. I found a little bit of an easier route where I don't have to lift anything. I don't have to chase anyone. I can just set and forget. It's time consuming. And there's also stress, there's a risk. You know, there's a lot of things about property which people don't appreciate. They just go, oh, these greedy money grabbers with their uh, buy to lets. It's just like, you do realise the only reason why they're doing it is because they've gone, how am I going to retire? Yeah. You know, it's not because you're greedy. It's because you want to be actually able to retire. You don't want to die working. Yeah, 100%. And uh, without going on a uh, massive tangent, if people really knew about the amount of paperwork that you have to do, and um, like I had building control come out this mm -hmm. week, and they were like, oh, that led's great in terms of uh, the lining, but it needs to be two bricks high. So that means I now need to call the roofer back to do that which means more money. And I think people watch programs and they see it's all done nice and fancy, but I guarantee, uh, I'd love to see how it gets signed off properly 
and uh, and all, and all the paperwork done in the behind the scenes because yeah, I've had a lot a lot of paperwork. But the thing is, like your house, you know, you gave me a view last was it last week? Yeah, nicely spec'd. You know, you've done the house out to attract a good caliber of tenant. It's not just yeah. like you got some hobble and you like go and live in this <laughs> shit hole. Yeah. You know, so it's cost you a fair, fair whack to sort that house out to rent it out. Yeah, yeah. it's the regulatory moats that they build around all this stuff, right? So it just makes it harder yeah. and harder for the for the person starting out because all these people that have all the property now, none of these regulations existed back then. So when they were getting off the ground, it was just build it high, you can rent it out for what you could. But then once they got established, they got closer to the money printer, closer to the political power, and they started wanting to go, right, we kind of want the door closed behind us now. So now that we have billions, we can afford to put, yeah, two bricks of, you know, damp proofing in here, and we're going to put light switches all over here, because now they have infinite money, pretty much. They, they're billionaires. So it's all these regulations, they just bake it in and go, I don't need to make as much profit on every property instantly, because I've got a massive bankroll. But for the person starting out, suddenly now, to do your first house, it's you, you, if you make a profit, I think you're doing it amazingly well. It's yeah. a Duke of Westminster owns a silly proportion of the UK, isn't it? Yeah, and you kind of think that it it's all, all it is borderline immoral to actually own as much property as but he does. Um, you know, because you're not just making a living, you're making people's misery at that point as well. And if he sold his property portfolio, it actually impact the UK market significantly. Yeah, and uh, it's funny we talk about this because it was only uh, the other day that I became aware that uh, Lloyd's Banking Group is actually one of the uh, the biggest landlords in the UK, and they only plan on oh. getting bigger as well. So, um, so yeah, they they want to buy more homes um, on or before the end of twenty twenty five. Uh, and and they're doing all of this like extra regulatory work and building this regulatory moat to make it easier for them. And of course, they've got the power, so they don't. You know, all the paperwork I'm talking about, lo and behold, is for the bank, so that they can be comfortable that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But of course, do you think they're going to be doing their own homework? Nah. <laughs> Lloyd's, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah, they all do. Well, you know that one of the biggest landlords in the entire world is BlackRock. Yeah, yeah BlackRock I've read about that. I just think it's very immoral for a company like that. I can see, you know, for a pension investment, but for, um, you know, for a big company, it just, it literally shouldn't be allowed. It just... Yeah, and all happening right in front of our faces as well. And so, yeah, lo and behold... Yeah, yeah, the, the Black Rocks, the Rothwells, and the JP Morgans of this world would just be exactly like Lloyd's. So kind of going back onto the topic about the sailor interview, yeah. I, I read a couple of the um, comments below. I think one was a great one. Anytime I question Bitcoin's price and why I'm investing so much money when it dips, I just find all my, one of Michael's interviews, his logic and intelligence always calms me down. <laughs> you know, I think everyone's had one of those days where they go, Oh shit! It's massively dipped, and when you hear something from Michael Sell, you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." What do you think about that? Because we had, we had the super cycle conversation literally just last week, and then 
in, and I did say on that one, I think we'd already forgotten that it was only two weeks ago we dropped by 20% in a day. But then because we'd recovered quite fast, it was almost just went unnoticed. And then straight after last week's one, it was pretty much straight after I did the speech. I think it was almost the next day. So anyone that had listened to me on that day <laughs> instantly got <laughs> dumped on. Because, uh, yeah, because Bitcoin went from 69K down to 42, which I, I even screenshotted the percentages that were on my phone. It was a double-digit day, I think, twice in a row. Oh, it was wow. pretty brutal. So I just wanted to ask you guys the question, do you still think we can't do an 80% correction? Like, cause that's not an 80% <laughs> correction in one go. It's just a sustained thing, right? So you do 25 in a week, wait a month, another 25, wait a week, another 25. That pretty much does your 80. So you just need three of these in a row, really. And last week you were going, now we think you're done. Do I just don't, confident? I think 80%, I just feel it's too much just purely because of the presence of some giants in the market now. You know, maybe I'm completely wrong. And my kind of view of the holders of Bitcoins up kilter, but with Sailor, MicroStrategy, Tesla, etc. I just think it's got too much of a hold to go 80%. But then, you know, yeah. but, but then if it, if it does happen, does it really matter to me? Not really. You know, it's not just a half year investment. It's not looking for the super high and sell off for me. It's a long term investment. I did say initially five year. I just don't know if five year really fits the bill anymore. It's, 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 it's life, right? You, you start off with five years. If you're not handing over sats to your kids and grandkids, then you, then you fucked up, right? Yeah, exactly. I just, you know, I, I kind of look at this and think, I, I don't see how it can fail apart from, well, there's one, there's one issue, which is just getting past governments. And eventually it will. I just, you know, I don't see a more ideal currency or even um you know something to put value in mm. everything else can be manipulated and i think that's what it comes down to we've got a severe lack of trust in the government but we still um lick their boots yeah I, I think all i wanted to say really on this was pretty much i think we just need to be open to the 80 percent and just don't don't think it's not coming because I don't think it will until we until we go off go a lot higher. Then I think there's an eighty percent. We come down from a lot higher than here back to probably about where we are. That will be the eight percent correction. But it's just to get people in the mindset of look, this is still a highly volatile asset. There's a lot of fresh money coming in. Like we went from pretty much thirty to seventy relatively quickly the last couple of months. It's like the price of Bitcoin. It's, it can be so fragile. It only takes someone to go on the market and dump a billion. And we'll we'll drop 10 k because there's just not that much liquidity and in the markets and we're so kind of in the rarefied atmosphere. I think the good thing is we did bounce off forty. So last time we went down into twenty nine. So we're a good you know thirteen k up from that. So each time we are taking these big dips, we bounce off a higher number, which is always good. So that does suggest there's a more hodlers are are stacking each time. And the price is moving up as these hard holders are. But the people that are kind of the top 20K of the price, they're not hodlers yet. They're still trading in and out and they get scared. So we just have to keep living with that. Every time Bitcoin goes up, there's probably the last 20 to 30% of people that brought in have no clue what they brought. And they're very easy to shake out. And they will sell on a, on a, a green day because then they, they're literally in it to make some fiat profits. 
That's what I was going to ask, actually, because I don't really look at the on-chain metrics, of, but I listen to it in terms of how people held their Bitcoin for. And so I think like one of the stats was over three months or 90 days where people had bought and then just you know never sold. And whether or not that's happening still, which would be great, and obviously longer than the 90 days, when you're coming into it and you and some people aren't necessarily doing their homework before coming into it and just simply expecting the number to go higher then they will get scared and you know it, we as we know bitcoin is volatile they need to just ride that out and that's why things like our own bod, uh, our own podcast yes we're shouting ourselves out <laughs> michael sailor and everything else is worthwhile listening to to educate yourself yeah because it's um another thing actually that sailor did say is number one he like really hammers home the long-term investment thesis right really really well yeah. then he actually does address the massive elephant in the room which is around government banning bitcoin mm. and he then just illustrates a whole case where no the dollar will be essentially the currency and Bitcoin will be the store of value. And if you're not happy with that, then why not? Because Bitcoin will be a hundred trillion dollar asset at that point, And Bitcoin will be like 6 million a coin. So there's enough to go at. And then the interviewer went, yeah, but Bitcoiners want to be the currency, right? If, if people are still being paid in the currency and they're still getting hyperinflated away, mm -hmm. Peter just, he just went, well, no, no, they, they won't. Um, because you earn your, your fiat, but then you can convert your savings into Bitcoin. That's the store of value. That's where you, you keep your wealth. And fundamentally, you went, look, we're at a crossroads here. We can turn left and go and be the store of value, and we'll get attacked by the gold bugs, and they'll try and ban us, and nothing happens. Then after we win, beat gold, the property people will try and ban us and sue us, and they'll hate us. Nothing happens because these people are not societies. They're just other investment vehicles that are just kind of owned by people, but there's no kind of government or, or, or like or association protecting them. If we turn right and we go and attack the stock market, governments, all currencies, basically you're going to have every politician, every CEO, just and, and a lot of just normal um, like patriot type people that think you're attacking their country coming for us. They're going to ban us, regulate us. It's going to be a whole world of pain. So this is, I think, whole sailor's genius of his 4D chess, and it's like the Trojan horse. I think he's pretending to us to go, look, guys, let's just pretend we're turning left. And we're going <laughs> after gold, and we're going after property. Everybody knows that once we get to a $100 trillion asset, 100x from where we are, then... Of course, people are going to be using it for money, dickhead. Of course they will, <laughs> but it'll be too late. And then when they come to fight us, where they're fighting 100 trillion, not one, we're 100 times stronger and we'll be able to beat them. So I must admit, I'm kind of going, oh, shit, maybe we should stop talking about inflation. We should just start attacking gold and property. Just leave that as our focus because no one's defending that. It's just they're defenseless. Yeah. That's just we can run in oh. and burn them down. <laughs> property is an easy one, isn't it? Yeah. Because we've talked before, like you've got a whole property investment, especially Lloyd's and BlackRock. You know, it just astonishes me. You basically 
profiteering off someone someone else, aren't you? Is what it fundamentally comes down to by inflating the price of property. So by Bitcoin instead, humanitarian. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty much, yeah, exactly. It's just pretty much saying, yeah, you're not going to make as much money in property anyway, and it's really difficult. So even if you don't, this is the thing, right? Almost, this is what... And also, you can, help out, you can help out the poor by not investing yeah, well, in property. If anything, what Staley was pretty much saying is like, let's just drop all the kind of um, the issues and the ethics and the morals behind it and just say it's a better investment. Because like, a lot of like what we, um, like Bitcoin to talk about, art is highly political. And the second you start talking politics then people can disagree with you. But if you just go, look, we're attacking gold and then we're going to attack property, you don't have to care why, but fundamentally you're going to get better returns. Yeah, this is the store yeah. of value. This is it. So just put your money in the, in, into Bitcoin instead. That's because why do people buy gold? It's a hedge against inflation. Why do people buy property? They want to gain, grow their wealth. No one wants to look after a huge property portfolio. I don't know why anyone would want to do that with their free time. It's fucking stressful as fuck. And there's a lot of admin, I'd imagine. You, you want to be getting your own home farm, getting some chickens, some cows. I mean, doing what you want, going shooting your quad bikes and on your jet ski in your lake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so imagine, imagine that pitch you just made there against the man on the street. Yeah. I, you haven't gone into inflation. You haven't had to talk about Vanguard and BlackRock. You haven't had to talk about governments locking us down. You go, no, 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 no. I just want to do that. And that, that seems more humane and also on the yeah, the average person's level of, oh, right, you just want a good time. Well, really, even with the sound effects. Even sound more yeah. sound effects are better. Do, do, just think about that jet Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the problem obviously is, is the fact that, you know, Bitcoin got created around the financial crisis and it was the reckless abandonment of money. And we are fundamentally, we are here to fix money, fix the world. And uh, I think if it literally was, just, <laughs> if it is just number go up, then it, it's so much of Bitcoin is more than that. But I do get Sailor's point, right? It's just, this is, he was literally, he sounded like a general on the battlefield and we were kind of all standing behind him. And he's like, look, I know all of you want to go right because the people on the right are the thieves. They are the ones to blame. But unfortunately, they have heavy artillery. We're going to take a hell of a beating if we go right. We could well win, but we might lose. We yeah. don't know. If we go left, there's huge gold reserves and like huge amounts of wealth for us to go get. And it's completely undefended. Let's go left first take all this free stuff and then we come back and go right and then we know that's where you really want to go but let's go right in five ten years time so i get it it's a great tactical tactical so we so we need to like and retweet and tweet about how we're going to take over gold yeah gold is the enemy and property is the enemy and yeah we we love politicians and the great great reset eh, maybe no maybe it won't be too bad I'm all right fuck with it and fuck silver as well. <laughs> yeah, all, all precious <laughs> metals. Yeah, I don't even think about silver. <laughs> it's uh, just gold and shift. We'll take him down. Yeah, but the problem is I don't think Sailor's going to get his way. He's coming too late, and I think there's too many people that just look. We can't get past it, and we've already got people like Hillary now, and 
various other big politicians that they've identified what Bitcoin is. They've identified it being a threat. So I think he's in here five years too late to try and wipe, kind of get everyone being a bit quiet going, oh, okay, I get you. Wink, 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 wink. But I think on that point, though, we are starting to get gold bugs moving naturally to um, Bitcoin anyway. So with that, they bring their source of wealth that then comes over to Bitcoin, as we spoke about on uh, last week's podcast, and the guy that was a big gold bug. And so um, so maybe, again, that naturally just happens. Yeah. Well, they think, it's, it's actually interesting, actually, when they broke down the, the valuation of gold, I think it's about 13 trillion at the moment, but there's about 40% of that gold is in jewellery. So this is what we're talking about, the, the utility and then the monetary premium. So it's about 40 to 50% of gold is actually used for something, whether it be jewellery or in electronics. So that part of gold will not go away. Like Bitcoin's not going to replace that. You can't wear Bitcoin on your wrist and you can't put Bitcoin in your phone to make the electronics work. So gold will essentially, its bottom is about 40% of the price that it's at now. So essentially it should go from about 13 trillion down to about five or six. And that will be, that's all gold is. So that leaves six or seven trillion on top of that. That is what can move over to Bitcoin because gold has got a huge premium on it as a store of value as opposed to just jewelry. And that's what you're saying, a property as well. A property probably has about a 70% premium in it, which is investment. But then the bottom 30% is actually what houses should cost. So that's where he's getting his 100 trillion from, essentially. So Ultimately, you know, if you look at some land, it is very, very expensive um, yeah. to actually buy, and that's that's a premium, isn't it? Rather yeah. than the actual materials that you build with. Yeah, you're right. It's, and it's only a premium because everyone's buying. Well, the people that can afford buy, you know, 100 acres of land in 10 different places. They don't ever use it; they just have it to let the value of that land go up. And then at some point, they want to sell it. They just don't want to hold it in in fear which is sensible but property shouldn't be gaining shouldn't be an investment and, and property just and land definitely shouldn't be a, an investment either it should be something you use if you don't have a use for it then let someone else use it yeah very true again i think it's probably uh, a lot of unwiring for people because for centuries it has been the case as well so uh, kind of easier said than done because that will have amongst certain families and certain classes have been the, their education. Obviously a small percentage, but the small percentage will be like, yeah, you, you know, you can look at, we talk about him all the time, Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump, granddad was in property. Donald Trump senior was property. Donald Trump property, and I'm sure junior will be in property as well in some shape or form. Yeah, it's, it's the last hundred years, isn't it? That's the thing. Like the last, that's three generations. That's yeah. the entire fiat standard. Yeah. So it's, uh, if you go back before that, it was still going to, it was more of a ego thing to control stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't as much value just to be, you know, hold land and just sit on it. 
and Correct. do nothing. It wasn't, you just wanted that so you could build a wall around it and say that was yours. And it just kind of makes you more powerful. Now people don't do it for power. They just purely do it. I, no, I don't care where these fields are. They can be any fields in any country, anywhere. I just need my name on them. And then yeah. I just sit on it for 10, 20 years and then I sell them and I make, I become you know, super wealthy off it. It's like, that, that's bollocks. Like, that shouldn't be the case. So you're not doing anything smart there. You're just wealthy and it's just, you know, you're riding on the Fiat train. You should have to actually invest in things that sensibly. And yeah, that, that's what Bitcoin will bring back. Everything won't just go up in value by 10, 15% a year. That will just stop. And that, it breaks all these models that are so corrupt. You'll come back to a more, sensible standard where investing actually becomes investing again like the whole stock market won't go up by 30 percent a year you actually have to find good stocks and you don't have to try at the moment <laughs> that's true yeah do we want to move on to the um inflation weekly since i think this is probably a good overlap yeah it's yeah, classic the fact that we've got inflation weekly in there just does the thing so i think this is um has this just been this week when Powell was retiring the word transition, um, transitory? So I could have sworn it was a week before, but, but never mind. So it's something which he's um, claimed that um, they need to retire transitory for inflation as it claims it's taken the wrong way and has caused confusion, which confused me. Because I'm like, transitory, what is the dictionary definition of transitory? Anyone know? Go on. Not for transitory. Um, I'll take the temporary. Guess. Yeah, temporary. Yeah, yeah, temporary. It is not People permanent. Here. Yeah, yeah, here today. From so, tomorrow, sort of thing. so if inflation is not permanent, it means that it will go down back to what it is. So if we claim that inflation is transitory. That means that we will go back down on timber prices on copper iron, whatever else, back to when probably, you know, absolute mass inflation happened in the 1970s. So I'm waiting for those prices to come back. Well, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it, right? Because it's always, oh, the last year or two is transitory. And go, well, okay, let's just assume you're right on that one. But saying inflation is transitory is complete bollocks because the dollar has lost 99% of its value over the last 100 years. But also, um, what are you talking about, mate? With his comment here saying that it's been taken the wrong way, is yeah. it how? I think you know, the, how could it be taken the wrong way? I don't yeah. understand the spin. No, it can't. I think this is a little bit like occasionally they say the truth, don't they? Or or the truth gets too exposed. So this, I think, this transitory word got jumped on so much to say that it's temporary. And okay, then if it's temporary, tell us exactly when it's going back to normal. Give us a yeah. date. And they just realized they had to run away from it. So now they've just gone, okay, it isn't transitory, but everything will be okay. And then, then they've just walked away and gone, there you go, it's explained. So it's just them wriggling out of something going, okay, fine. You kind of, you called our bluff on transitory and it was too easy to disprove us. So <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna go a layer back in vagueness, which now means what you're arguing against. We say it's all gonna be right, all right next year you can't prove us wrong until it's next year. And you go, for fuck's sake. Okay, fine. <sighs> yeah, it's just, it's just that insane transitory. Like, I feel like they haven't used that term before and it was rolled out in the last um, month or two. 
And then everyone's just like, seriously, you know, even people who are fairly financially illiterate are just like, what the fuck are you on about? Mm. You know, you've either got inflation on products. So, you know, a bag of crisps costs more, a pint costs more, or you've got shrinkflation on products where you're getting a smaller product because the company's like, oh, I still want to charge 30 pence, but everything's cost me more and then still need to make profit. So we've seen that, you know, Mars bars where Mars bars are probably closer to what a fun size is now. Um, and they had to shrink it. I know it was being fair as things like, um, what is it? Oreos and um, washing powder, which have been some good examples of shrinkflation. And it isn't the company's fault for being greedy, which is what it's being claimed in the media. It's a fact that all their costs have gone up, you know, the sugar which they used to buy, the jam, the, the workers' wages, the land price, the rents, the machinery. It's all gone up and they can't help it. And they've got to make a profit because they are a business. Yeah, well, everyone cheered. We had it on here, was it a month ago, maybe two months ago, that the minimum wage went up. And I, what's, I just went, what's going to happen? The, the, products, the products that people buy on the minimum wage will directly go up because they have more money now. Companies will know they have more money. They also have to pay them more, so the costs are going up in the company. So everything just goes up in value. And so I think the the, the, the minimum wage, I think back in the day, I think it went up 16% or something, if I remember right, at least from like £8.90 to £9 something. And um, yeah, so what, what are we seeing? Yeah, we're just seeing that that 16% directly correlate into the price of goods. And ever. And then most people think, well, how can you not live off a 16% pay rise? Because like, it wasn't a 16% pay rise. It probably <laughs> lasted for about two months until the cost flowed through and the price of goods went up by 16%. You're literally just treading water. And, this uh, is why you need a steady price and a steady value. So kind of linking it back to a Bitcoin standard. If a carrot costs, you know, one Satoshi, you know it costs one Satoshi and therefore you know for your meal, you need three carrots, it costs you three Satoshis per day. And it same applies to every single product. You can actually budget accordingly and therefore you can make ensure that you paid. So if someone goes, I'll pay you this and it's too little to afford what your needs are for food, um, shelter and say electricity, you can go, no. And that becomes the market. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, we're, it's kind of like this. It's yeah. jumping up and down between the two. And it's, it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare for anyone to deal with. Yeah. Then, and there was a problem with price gouging as well, like genuinely, because everything's going up. There's the odd company sitting, sat in there going, fuck it, our costs haven't gone up, but we can just put our prices up 20% and everyone's just going to absorb it because they're used to everything going up. So the problem is you do, you create a cover for bad actors in a high inflation environment that are just going to profiteer off it. And, um, and yeah, if you have stable pricing, then it's very easy to spot the company that does that. And as a consumer, you can then just vote with your feet. But I must admit, when I go out into the world right now and I start seeing the price of everything, I'm <laughs> noticing everything costs more. But in my head, I can't quite figure out what it used to be. So I just go, fuck it, I'll just buy the thing, right? And I don't know how much more I'm paying. I just know it's more. I haven't worked out the percentages in my head. Yeah, I haven't worked out the percentage, but I, I'm damn sure it's gone up. Um, you know, my whole food shop bill... Even I went to a well-known coffee shop today that uh, Mrs. No Show 
typically speechless <laughs> as I was uh, coming off the train. Did, uh, did he get out his loyalty card? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we worked together on this. Uh, he'd gone his separate way and, and I was just working there before I came home and coffee, packet of crisps and a sandwich, £10.80. Three things. So, I think coffees are quite expensive in most kind of shops. So about a fiver, aren't they? Sandwiches probably... Sandwich I would say for fiver. Sandwich a fiver. Yeah, a sandwich five pound forty exactly. The drink three fifty five, and then the rest like one pound twenty for the for the crisps. I was just like, oh my god! But you know, obviously we're all eighties babies. We remember when crisps were like twenty p, thirty p. I was going to say, Chris, Chris are twenty to thirty pence. Yeah, no, they're not. A, 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 <laughs> a sandwich is about one pound to one pound fifty. It used to be. <laughs> yeah. You know uh, have we had any inflation on the expenses policy? Because it was six no. pounds. Yeah. They they it was six kind of, No, they, they have said, oh yeah, you can you know put them for things. It was it was never set within the policy, but it's kind of accepted you can just don't take the piss. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. So it will still flag as over six, but your, it's up to your manager's discretion. So, like, if you went to seven pounds, seven fifty, yeah, tick. But if you went, if I put in that ten pound eighty, then I would well be, you know, I'd be fine with it being rejected because I know that I'm trying to take piss there. It's like two dinners <laughs> or two lunches. There. It's hilarious though because you're not taking a piss, are you? You no. literally bought a very standard lunch there from a coffee shop. So this is the problem. Like that expenses thing is six quid when I joined the company, and that is now fifteen years ago. Yeah. So and we literally said, didn't we? Every fifteen years, monetary supply um, doubles. So that six pound is actually now should be twelve. And that guess what? Your lunch now fits in it. What? Oh, how did that randomly happen? Right? No, because that is literally exactly what's happened in the last fifteen years. Six pounds is now got the spending power of what 12 used to. So your expenses policy should be £12 now. And that's mm-hmm. another little example of where the common man is getting screwed over because companies are not increasing their expenses fast enough, which means, like, we, I remember, like, people used to... When I first did this 15 years ago, we used to go out and get a lunch. Lunch would literally get a £3 meal deal or something, yeah. or, like, 3 or £4. And you used to, like, with, this, with some of the spare money, you'd go to Tesco's on the way home, get a chicken and some bread and some milk to top up the six quid. You yeah. literally almost do a weekly shop. Like it was a profitable thing. You'd go out if you got lunch, you'd get lunch and do your weekly shop. That it within the six quid. Fifteen years later, now you're every time you get lunch, you go, oh, it's going to cost me a couple of quid over the six. Even the 25 overnight is a strip like literally because I was with Mrs. No Show and we were thinking, Oh God, where, so where, did, where do you take you? Well, can't go well, we to Starbucks did, at night. No, 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 we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go anywhere because we'd had food at the event, thankfully, like the uh, the entrees and the, uh, See, the canapes. But if, just like, if wow. I'm if I'm down there on my own, I'll go somewhere like Nando's. Yeah. So now I can get a big chunk of chicken, and I think it's. Um, it's something like 15 quid or something, but I haven't been down for a few years now. Oh, Nando's is still pushing it. I think by myself, I got to about 22 pounds, 23 pounds with a drink uh, and everything. So you, you'll be, you'll still be hard pushed. 
Yeah, I was going to say it's been two, three, you know, it's well, actually, it's two years, isn't it? Because of the whole yeah. lockdown since I've been in London yeah. um, and actually out for that kind of stuff. But even that, right? Even the overnight meal, that was supposed to have some comfort built in. It wasn't meant to be purely food. It was meant to be, okay, we're paying you to be away from your family for a night. So we'll cover your expenses, obviously, but we'll also throw in a couple of drinks for you to enjoy. But now that like flexibility is pretty much gone. It's like, oh, if I want a beer with my food, I know I'm going over and I'm taking a hit on that. And it's yeah. So at least it's not costing you money just for the food, but you're not being able to have that luxury of going, oh, I'm away. I'm not in my own bed tonight. I'm allowed a couple of drinks on the company dime. And nope, you're not anymore. Yeah, if you want a couple of beers when you're down there, you're going to go straight over that 25 quid, especially in London. It's nearly £10 a pint down there. It's freaking yeah. insane. But, um, yeah, sad, man. Um, going to a bit more of a positive thing. Going back to um, El Salvador, it's gold and Bitcoin. And um, it's basically um, Bukulele just dumping or dunking on shift, where um, obviously we've had the dip from 69 to 42. Bukulele being the the mini Chad that he is. He's not a, <laughs> a mega Chad but, um, or giga Chad. But he bought an extra 150 coins. At, um, it was it 48. So he got in. He got in all right. But then Peter Schiff comes in and starts going, "Oh, there's loads more dips come in, and how much the taxpayer money do you intend to waste?" And he just comes back and goes, "All right, Peter. Like we do actually have gold reserves, and um, they've got 79 million dollars worth of gold, which is down 0.3 percent." <laughs> during the last year but the bitcoin they've got um is now worth 204 million and i think they brought it about i think they bought 100 million or something or 150 million so he's up like 50 million um in bitcoin terms and um it's just great to now see you know, peter trolling like a president of a country in the same way as he's been trolling bitcoiners for, for years but i think P- peter likes it you know shift likes the kind of like interplay doesn't he Oh, I mean, yeah. he really enjoys it. But what's funniest is the top comment on that screenshot is Spencer Schiff. My dad's reply is your signal to buy more. Yeah, that's his own yeah. son. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Did you see he was on Pomp Show with Peter McCormack? I, I think did, it was yeah. On Monday also, and it was a great show because, he, yeah, Peter talks about his son being the smartest person in the world. <laughs> and uh, and obviously Peter just has no retort back to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After watch episode, you have to throw me the link. Sounds yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. It, um, but, it's really good. But in um, Naive's um, retort to Peter Schiff, yeah, he he starts. What is it? The second sentence. You know, Boomer. We have forty four thousand <laughs> um, ounces of gold. I just like classic. Yeah. He's really um, embraced a Bitcoin um, ethos and lifestyle, hasn't he? He's all in. He's definitely all in, isn't he? I love it. It it is fantastic to see it, especially his happening on Twitter, man. It's just... um... This is why Twitter's great. I don't think I really got it until about, you know, two years ago when I started actually getting to Twitter after sporadically looking at it. Yeah, this is is Um, a world leader, right? It's one of the most insignificant world leaders, but it's a world leader... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's come into Bitcoin Twitter and is behaving just like us. He's talking like us. He's dunking on people. He's getting trying to people trying to tear him down. He doesn't care. 
It's amazing so to see it. Do we do we know what he's into in terms of Bitcoin? Because obviously it was what September when um he moved the country into it, but mm. what you know what his involvement, like literally is it in line with El Salvador or does it predate it by two years? No one really knows. It seems to be like like the story that Jack Malice has told. They seem to get in into Bitcoin, I think it was about a year ago. And um, they just hit Jack up and went, we think you're building something, like the rails that you're building on Lightning, we're interested. So he literally got invited there about a year ago. And then, yeah, he told them what they could do. And then about nine months later, they launched you know, Bitcoin on their balance sheet and rolled out, you know, accepting payments in every single store across El Salvador. So it all kind of went very fast. So who knows how long they were studying it before that? Who knows if Bukulele has a large Bitcoin position himself personally? Uh, I would be surprised if he didn't. Uh, you reckon he's got 6.125? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. I, it might be some of the things that end up being a bit of a scandal against him. Who knows? Because obviously he's definitely pumping his bags and you could you could throw at him the insult that he is using taxpayer money to pump his own bags. And who knows, mm. maybe... He, Maybe he exits Bitcoin and then you know retires very rich off the back of his own personal holdings. Who knows? Yeah, that would be a shame if that's the case. Um, did did Peter reply back to his reply then about having gold and obviously it being down? I don't know. Just some boomer nonsense, probably. Yeah, yeah. he's always got an answer, and it's it's always the same thing. It's just He's like a broken record, Peter. It's just, it's a different, it's a different day. He always has nice, clear data and numbers on a day where Bitcoin's gone down by 20%. Yeah. Then he can cherry pick. Bitcoin rank went down by 20% today. Gold hasn't done that for 50 years. So you're yeah, calling that a store of value. But then you just go, all right, fine. On, on the 24-hour chart, you're correct. But let's just zoom out over six months or a year. Well, now you're wrong. So... And then if we go over 10 years, you're even more wrong. And then anything before that, Bitcoin didn't exist. So it's a non-comparison. So over every metric you choose, other than the 24 hours, you're wrong. And mm. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we've got... Yeah. Do you want to move on? Yeah, I was going to say move on to the next country, which is polarised ultimately, isn't it? So... Vindia wanting to regulate crypto, meaning there's no more ban. I think when was the ban even brought in? I want to say it's only a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Um, I know you've been a fan of India wanting to uh, to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Um, uh, it's Pakistan. Don't get uh, me mixed yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit racist there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't cancel me. <laughs> but ultimately, yeah, they've made a U-turn, and I'm and I'm glad they've made a U-turn because I feel like India is one of those uh, up-and-coming superpowers that uh, is is there you know they've always had china poking at them and they've got over a billion people uh, within their within their um, country albeit appreciate not all of them are 
West, well, I say Westernised, not all of them have money. Let's say uh, there's a lot of say it was, it, poverty. There's a lot of poverty, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot of poverty in the country as well as a lot of wealth as well. And the, the uh, rich-poor divide is exactly that. But it's fantastic to see that they are now turning the corner and now being able to... Uh, to allow people to accept Bitcoin and also um, the exchanges. And I feel like they are also a country which could do a lot of mining themselves. So, uh, there's, what, there's why do you think, mate, why did they ban it in the first place? Oh, well, th- this article tells you everything you need to know, right? So yeah. it, says, it talks about money laundering and Terence fi- financing. Yeah, that, but, you know, that's nonsense, right? We always know that's nonsense. That's always yeah. a discussion. Now, the real the real reason is there was a shit ton of money leaving rubles, the Indian currency, and going into cryptocurrency and going all across the world. And India weren't seeing any of the gains. So the individual people, a couple were getting wealthy, a couple were getting co- completely wrecked, but all the tax revenue and all the profit to be made on all this trading, buying in and out, was going to America, going to China. So what they've done is they've just banned it to make everybody stop. Now, they're allowing it to start again, but there's two main catches. You have to ha- be buying your crypto on, a, on an Indian exchange yeah. set up in the country. That keeps all the money, all the fees inside the country. And also, you have to keep your Bitcoin on the exchange, no hardware wallets. Mm. I, thought, I thought I read that, but I wasn't 100%. So... Basically, what they're doing there is they're worried about the devaluation of the ruby or the ruble um, yeah. and also their tax revenue. So they're keeping it all within their, their walls. Uh, they can keep it all on the exchanges. Number one, all the tax revenue, all the oversight can happen. The money is not leaving the country. The company's making the profit off all these trading um, stays in India. So someone, some big companies will pop up in India, obviously create jobs and do all that. But their biggest one, is if the ruble collapses and they need to take all the money from the citizens just in case they've run off and put it all into Bitcoin or some other currency, because it's on the exchanges, they can just steal it as if it was rubles in the bank account. Yeah. So this could be a disaster. It's the illusion, isn't it, to make the people feel rich because to them it's in the exchange but unlike maybe in the UK where you've got the FCA and knowing that it's protected or it, with Coinbase where they've given you that um, buyer protection of up to £150,000, I highly doubt that they will have something similar within India. And so the average citizen will think, oh, fantastic, I'm protected. Yeah, and, and by the way, all those insurances all go invalid when the currency collapses yeah. so the, the, those they're, they're non they don't really apply in these type of hyperinflation examples anyway because if it, it's, it only applies like if an individual bank goes under provided the other banks still exist then the insurance money will pay out if all the banks go bust at the same time there's no money to pay back you know i, I literally i watched the big short the other day yet again and um, i always love watching it because the biggest problem right when you go to short the entire housing market and the entire financial system you know, Christian Bales or, or Michael Burry's main concern was when I, I'm right on this, you won't have the money to pay out. So I need you to put money to one side that pays my shorts off. It was his biggest concern. 
So that's the issue, right? When you got with this type of stuff, right? It's you've got your money in, and you think, oh, it's fine. If everything goes under, I'm insured. Well, who's paying? They all went bust. So of course, the insurance company behind them also goes bust instantly as well, because now yeah. they have the entire value of the world that they have to pay out. They clearly don't have it. They don't have infinite money. The infinite money just went pop. So. Yeah, so I, I hope this isn't, we're not talking about India in five years time when there's a load of people that will now buy Bitcoin on these Indian exchanges and in five years time, they're forced to hodl it on the exchange and some government policy gets passed and they just take a haircut and just steal 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% of people's Bitcoin to try and prop up the ruble because the ruble will be collapsing. It's one of the weakest currencies. It's stupidly inflated. They've the Indian uh, government have done an absolute disastrous job with their economy, so they're going to be desperate. And I really hope a load of people don't don't buy this. If if you're in India right now, I would highly recommend just trying to buy Bitcoin peer to peer, and buy off individuals, um, and then just send some money via bank transfer um, or PayPal. Just try and get the money out in some shape or form, and then get your Bitcoin sent to you via and stored on a hardware wallet. Do not use these Indian exchanges because they are never going to let you take it out. And once yeah, it goes in, it's a one-way traffic with that. Is there some way which they could do that? So you're saying, you know, send it bank transfer, but, you know, someone's got to send something first. And Matt, is there some kind of smart contract which someone could use in peer-to-peer? Yeah, we can, you, there's, there's sites like Local Bitcoin um, and Hoddle Hoddle where they, they basically, um, they're like an eBay, but for Bitcoin. So they yeah. do the, the escrow in the middle. So when you buy it, they, they hold the fiat and the Bitcoin. They wait for both to arrive. Once they both arrived, then they, yeah. they give each person access. It's Bitcoin, you know, is the whole concept of is taking control, decentralizing. And this is, you know, taking away the control. So, you know, it is a, it, this isn't financial advice, but it is. Make sure you don't use one of their exchanges. Yeah. Well, um, also, and I remember this, uh, it's got a couple of friends um, that talked to me about it, but back in, I just uh, double-checked on the dates. In 2016, India uh, demonetized um, 500 rupee dollar notes and uh, 1,000 repeat dollar notes as well so literally um the overnight the prime minister uh narinda modi um came out in a surprise televised interview saying we're going to withdraw india's highest value bank notes worth like six pounds and twelve pounds and it's up for midnight so clearly all the banks were shut and that wiped a lot of wealth from people just like that so um, oh so it wasn't even an exchange it's just like they've gone gone yeah oh I mean, there, there, was a, there was a very short period of time where you could go in and, and put them in it wasn't there where you could go okay fine but i think it was it was literally their equivalent of the 20 pound note correct it was super common like if you had cash you would have had one of these notes yeah and yeah he just discontinued it and when after this date they're now worthless bits of paper they were no longer recognized and yeah, it was a great way of just giving everyone like a 20% haircut or something. Mm. I just feel really sorry for those old kind of grannies and grandpas that always never trusted the banks and stuff and have had all this money under their mattress overnight, just worthless, worthless bits of paper. 
that's another tactic, isn't it? Where you think, well, I won't trust the bank, so I hold the cash. Well, it's, and... it's also how many people in India have a bank account? Is it one of those countries where the poorest yeah. don't have? You, you said it. Yeah. Yeah. As always, and all these things, the poorest get hit by far the hardest. It's, um, yeah, yeah you'd, you've had plenty of people there. They would have probably lost, they only had a small amount of wealth and they went to zero overnight and had to start again. Mm. Yes. Man, it's pretty disgusting. Um, what should we go on to here? We've got some fun stories here. Um, um, I think we've got the three fun ones to finish with. We've got Craig White is the one which probably separates. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is one for you, Mr. All in. Um, you know, from from my perspective, it just sounds absolutely bizarre. Mr. Craig Wright, who I think comes up as a mention on this podcast a lot. It's a weird one, yeah. So basically this all started back in 2013. Essentially, what the story is, um, him and Dave Kleiman knew each other. Dave Kleiman definitely was one of the Bitcoin core developers right back in the early days. Um, was talking with Satoshi pre-launch um, and he was also working with Craig Wright but on a different project, a security project. Now, Dave Kleiman, after being involved in Bitcoin, unfortunately gets a very bad illness and dies. So he dies in like 2010, 2011 and has told none of his family really that he has been working on Bitcoin at all. He's kept it 100% secret, um, but Craig obviously knows. So when he hears that Dave has died, he contacts Dave's wife and goes, do you know Dave was heavily involved in Bitcoin? She goes, no, no clue. He said, did he leave you any Bitcoins or anything? You know, the price has now gone up. This is 2013, 2014. So the price had gone up like from pretty much nothing to like 10, 20, 30, $40. So the, the money was now worth millions of dollars worth of this Bitcoin. So she goes, well, and he goes, well, actually, I can help you get the Bitcoin off Dave's computers. So Craig comes in and takes over Dave's computers and works on them and tries to get some Bitcoin off them. And he goes away and goes, no, nope, couldn't find any. Sorry about that. Um, Dave obviously had a lot of Bitcoin, but I couldn't find any of it. Um, so he went on his way. But then over the next couple of years, the price of Bitcoin continues to appreciate. Craig then comes out as a billionaire having all this Bitcoin. And now claims to be Satoshi himself. So this all looks very fishy. And so the Kleinman family now go, hold on. We've got a feeling we know where Craig got this Bitcoin from. He stole it from Dave Kleinman, the, our brother or, or our husband. So they then sue him in about 2013, 2014, for a load of Bitcoin. So it's taken seven or eight years worth of court cases to go through this where it's a whole weird, very weird case where Craig is just a master of lies. There's so many lies packed on top of each other. So it almost seems like, so the, the, basically the court case is finished anyway. The court case is finished. They've ruled on it and they've officially said Craig did not steal the Bitcoin. However, he has to pay 100 million worth of damages based on he stole IP instead, which is very weird because, and the reason why this is the best win for the climate family is the million Bitcoin that Craig claims to have is Satoshi's Bitcoin. We know he doesn't have that. So that's what they were actually suing him for. They were suing him for half of that. So they went, okay, fine, Craig, you can have half, but Dave has the other half. So you owe us basically half a million Bitcoin, which I think is worth about 4 billion at the, at the time. 
So this, the court case is for four billion. But the problem was, if they'd have won that case, we know Craig can't move those Bitcoin. Mm, he probably stole. So they wouldn't it. have got anything. Yeah. So instead, they've gone. No, you don't own the Bitcoin because because Craig couldn't prove that he owned it. But so he kind of gets off on that. But instead, they get rewarded hundred million anyway, which I think they'd be very happy with. And because this is connected to intellectual um, property rights instead, it's genius because now it's right. We don't care what Bitcoin you have. You just owe us hard cash. Fucking pay up, Mr. Wright. You live in the UK. You live in big homes. If you can't afford it, you're going to have to sell. So this could be quite interesting to see. We know oh. Craig's rich, but how rich is he? So that's interesting, yeah, about the whole Satoshi, because, yeah, I tried to read the link, um, but it didn't really give me much insight, yeah. to be perfectly honest. No, it's so just it's better to get the inside from you. Yeah, it's, it's weird. this is a real like, OG story, this one is. from Because Dave Plyman as well, he's in the category with Adam Back, um, Peter Todd, you know, Hal Finney. He's one of the original OGs. So Craig... Has Hal Finney also died? Yeah. So we talked about him, didn't we? Yeah, mm. he, he did the very first Bitcoin transaction with Satoshi. And then Dave was very close to behind. He seemed to be third or fourth in. Okay. Big respect then. Yeah, um, good victory just, for his family to get some get some hard earned money out of there. Yeah, it's it's just it's really disgusting. We don't know what Craig did. I suspect that he did find some Bitcoin on Dave's computer. It was nowhere near the million Bitcoin that he claims he get, managed to to get because he reckons he mined them himself anyway because he's Satoshi. But weirdly, that's a very clever lie built on top of a truth, which is why well, I did steal some Bitcoin, but they're not the ones you think they are. So you're looking somewhere else, whereas. I've got him over here because I'm pretty sure that's how he got wealthy, which is why he is who he is now. But it's, it's good. Think, he owes 100 million. It's a nice payout. Though. Did, do you think Hal Finney, um, Craig Wright and the real Satoshi ever met in person or was this all online and through chat rooms sort of thing? As opposed to sitting down as a group well, like, and kind of building you know, how, together. How Finney died recently, I and mean, then you had um, um, Peter died. Todd who's still alive. So you've kind of got, you know, they can tell. I'm sure there's the stories about how they all interacted there. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any. Like how Finney unfortunately died back in 2013 as well. Oh, he's been dead a long time as well. Around Dave Kleiman as well, and then another guy died. I forget his name now. But um, yeah, I don't think they ever did, you know. I think they, mm. some, they're all in different countries, a lot of them. I think there's two in Britain there, and then there's someone else in, like Hal Finney was American. And um, so, yeah, I think they just well, Where's Peter Todd from? He's from Canada. I had my head, he was Australian for some reason. No, that's Craig Wright. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Craig Wright's Australian, currently living in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, but no, I don't think they ever did meet. I think they they met probably on the cypherpunks, met online, yeah, yeah, and uh, just had similar skills, similar interests, and then just yeah. contributed to Bitcoin remotely. And yeah, if they if they'd have stayed together a little bit longer, but they pretty much all died so early into it, where there's barely any Bitcoin conferences, like no one was doing this thing yet. And so but, they, but Craig Wright was ne but Craig Wright was he ever in that kind of group? Do we kind of you know the talks online? No, nope, he was never in any of the chats, any of it. He's, he's produced emails of him chatting with Satoshi <laughs> in the court case. 
and they've all been proven to be edited. <laughs> it's just hilarious. So the thing is, someone like Peter Todd, he would know the background, wouldn't he? Yeah, and like we, oh god, like Craig Wright, Craig Wright, like he's not, he can't even code. Like he literally put a hello world um, bit of programming online, which is the most basic one ever, and. <laughs> Like a, a Bitcoin developer just grabbed it straight away and found that he copied it from some how to learn how to code website because like the comments were the same. So you just go, Craig, you're trying to prove you can code with the most basic programming example that literally I, you learn that 101 in week one of your computer it was science something like degree. A it was a calculator or something like that, wasn't it? It was whatever it was. It was so simple and he could, didn't get it. And um, yeah, he's... Yeah. Even an absolute novice like me would remove the comments. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, and, and change and change some of the variable names. Exactly, it's like, and even that, like even that, when you run it through a code, um, like plagiarism manager, it would still find it, right? Because the everything else would be identical. Would so that be ordering get, and everything else? Yeah, yeah, you'd still get caught, and but. He didn't even do that. Like, he literally just eyeball it and go, it's the same. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he, yeah. Did he try to do the first JPEG? <laughs> Back in right click. <laughs> Zaki literally did copy and paste. But yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, nice. hopefully it's the last we hear of Craig for a little bit. I, 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 I want to hear a bit more. I want to make I, sure the family's I paid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to make sure the family's paid. But yeah. And then he can go off into the distance and i'm glad that this story hasn't affected bitcoin in a way like i don't believe that the dips are um you know matched and mirrored to the price because i, I like the fact that there is no satoshi i don't want a figure for satoshi yeah it would have been interesting actually if craig had lost and they'd have awarded the climbing family like half a million Bitcoin, which is 4 billion. I would imagine that would have caused a dump because people would have been scared that, mm. oh, holy shit, Craig, in theory, has held these million Bitcoin for 13 years because he's Satoshi. Yeah. And now he's got to give half a million away to a family that know nothing about Bitcoin now. They're going to dump 4 billion on the market. So there has yeah. been this big fear about 4 billion about to be dumped, even though... Craig doesn't have the million Bitcoin, so they're not going to get the half a million to dump. But I would imagine enough people would have read the article to be scared and it would have probably caused a dump just out, just out of fear until people looked into it more and went, oh, hold on, this Craig guy's for the shit. He doesn't even, he can't pay. But the way it went, it's totally harmless because basically Bitcoin's not involved at all. It's like he didn't steal yeah. any Bitcoin. He owes you 100 million for other stuff. So pay them. And um, we go on our way. And yeah, like you, I just really hope he pays. I, I can almost guarantee he's going to appeal it. But I just, if even if they just pay 10 million, he just needs to freaking pay that family. They've literally got nothing. Yeah, it'd yeah. be great. Well, uh, we'll, we'll come back to it once again. That's what we do report the news and, uh, and give it to you weekly. So um, do we want to move on to Rept of the Week? So this is one which um, I read on this and I read a little bit more because I felt it needed, it didn't really make sense what you what was on the tweet. So I dug in a little bit. So this is Badger, is it DAO or is it DAO? DAO, oh, yeah, Badger DAO. DAO um, gets hacked and loses 
2,100 Bitcoin, and I think some Flickr tokens were lost as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was looking into this, and it's on about being some kind of Ethereum platform, um, but it's basically DeFi, isn't it? So it's lending. Um, now, what I found really interesting about this when I dug into another article is that it wasn't like some complex stuff you know it wasn't the fact they had their wallets all secured everywhere do i view well i'm guessing uh mr all you know but so never look do you know how they actually hacked it no it was through putting a script on the ui so the user interface and basically misdirecting where people's uh, movements and tokens and money went so it's like it it's a really basic thing you think that someone's holding bitcoin and various other cryptos it, it it's absolutely basic stuff mm. so they go to log into their account which they think is their account they're putting in all their details but really it's providing them with all of the information yeah. today so they just put they put a layer in there and yeah. like i said it, it's 101 um but yeah i just kind of like um, for any users who interact with the site, when the script was active, it would insert Web3 transactions and insert a request to transfer the victim's tokens to the attacker's chosen address. Yeah, I get those emails all the time, like my Netflix account needs to be but this, changed. But, or... but this wasn't even that. This was actually on the website. They got mm. into the website and inserted something. You know, this yeah. is like your worst, worst possible thing which could happen to Coinbase, but I think Coinbase are a lot more... Um, competent than badger dow yeah or, yeah or even worse on, on your ledger this is yeah this is what people try and get you to download right they try and get you to download a different version of ledger that reinstalls itself that does exactly this mm. so it behaves in every single way same as ledger but when as you paste in where you're sending the bitcoin to it lets you put whatever you want and as you click send behind the scenes it sends it to a different address and off it goes which is why whenever you're using Ledger, it will confirm the address you're sending to on the device. So you have to make sure you check the address you're sending to with the device and what's on the screen. Because if it's changed, the software might change it. And behind the scenes, you've put in, let's say it ends in like XY. When you yeah. press send, it's changed it to something completely different. When you check the send address on your Ledger, that will be what the UI has told it to do. So if it doesn't end in XY, it means the software you've got has got a virus in it. Do not confirm that transaction. Cancel out. Your computer's compromised. Stop using it and um, reinstall your Ledger Live software somewhere else and make sure that those two addresses match up. But yeah, when you're using things like Ethereum, people don't have those China checks and balances in there at all. And uh, yeah, they've obviously they've put in huge amounts of Bitcoin into this savings thing. Who knows, knows what Badger DAO was supposed to do? <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, it always annoys me because they go, oh, we lost Bitcoin, which suddenly makes it sound like Bitcoin was hacked in some shape or form. It's like, no, it was in a DeFi Ethereum contract that was essentially just stored in this little bit of software. So all the security of Bitcoin is now gone. You were in this, basically just in an open cloud. Like someone could just put their hand in and take from it whenever they felt like it. And that's what's happened. And a huge amount of Bitcoin just goes disappearing. And um, this is supposedly the future of finance, you know, DeFi. Like, no, these and, these and also Ethereum. It wasn't just you know that amount. There's more. More went on there. So it's absolutely shocking. But you know, as we've said, um, hold your own Bitcoin. Don't fuck around with it. 
but not for your short short term gains because they're probably not worth it. Yeah. It's even like when you were installing your ledger and there was an extra bit of software that I think came with it and you were downloading it or something. Even then I was yeah. nervous. I was like, don't do it. Like it was just to check it was to check the phrase, but then I did I did um I what did I do? I bought some new ledgers, put it over to there and didn't even risk it. Yeah. It's just you just don't need so to. So I just kind of went, I get your point after a bit, because I think I probably saw one of these stories and just thought, let's just play it safe. I know it's a pain in the ass because I've got to pay another, was it 50 or 70 quid yeah, for the ledger? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've yeah. got to have two, yeah. It's just be hyper vigilant on all this stuff, right? So I don't I don't trust exchanges, and I think exchanges are super secure and it'd be very hard for someone to do this. But if you're using these mini, because a DAO is essentially like a mini exchange. It's like a, a mini centralization of money and then they're going to do something with it. Supposedly pay you gains, staking, something like that. Weirdly, someone came up to me at the conference talking about staking. And um, yeah, and you, you just go, look, th this DAO might have been offering 10% gains or something on whatever shit coin they were going to award you with. And instead, you end up with 100% loss. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, talk, talking about 100% loss, we do shit coin corner. Let's do it. I, I didn't get this. I watched it a couple of times. I'm just sitting there going, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah, so oh, these kids, eh? these millennials, uh, <laughs> pumping NFTs and uh, just telling people to obviously go into them. For me, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it more just, again, just a, a money grab? Yeah, yeah. I, unfortunately, I think this guy, like, he's got this 28-second clip, hasn't he? Where yeah. he's showing you a room all freaking illuminated up with various lights. With, with his JPEGs on monitors on the walls. Yeah. yeah, and what really annoys me about him, number one, it just looks completely garish. And you're like, okay, like, if I wanted a room like that, I could just have that room. Like, I don't need to pay however much you've paid for those jpegs i can just have it if i want it but what annoyed me about it the most really is the fact that he's telling people that you have to work hard like you're not going to be, become rich by sitting on your ass you have to get going you have to get off your ass and start working and investing and then he goes and it's nfts you can flip them for thousands of percent gains you go oh my god like this is unfortunate and this is a tiktok right this and the fact that someone's grabbed this tiktok and shoved it on twitter means it probably went viral. Yeah. So there's millions of kids that saw this. And the things he's saying would ring true. It's like, yeah, I want to work harder. I want to make my money work for me. And oh, and you're a guy that I recognize. What, and you're wealthy. How have you done it? You've there's done no it. working harder. Not when you're buying JPEGs, no. Exactly. Work hard buying JPEGs, okay. Yeah, I think he said something about don't be a mama's boy. Yeah, don't like, be a mama's I, I, boy. I'm going to be a mama's boy, not going near NFTs. Yeah. It, it, I'm happy to miss the boat on uh, <laughs> on NFTs because it still clearly hasn't shown me or, yeah, demonstrated the value. Well, it, it's like the baseball cards. That's the only way which I can come to explain it. But I think in a sound sound money world, I just don't think people are that arsed. It's, it's a fad, right? It's um, I genuinely think if we fast forward two or three years, all these NFTs have lost 99% of their value. It's just, they've, got, they've gone, like essentially, like, this is an example of you have missed it. If you want to make quick gains, then the time to buy these NFTs was a year or two ago. That'd have been the time to do it. They've all appreciated hugely now. It's, got it's just like, market but it's, 
it's basically ruined the Ethereum network as one point, you know, as we refer to it, Flickr. And then it's also just, <laughs> you are gambling. It's like any shit coin. What is the value of this shit coin? You're like, oh, great, you got great gains. You were lucky. But the next time, oh, you've gone quiet. What happened with your shit coin trading? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've seen that happen many times. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. It's, it's just really sad because I can just see there's so many people that need to hear this type of information about investing and this is what they get. And um, it's just going to lead a load more people to slaughter. Can we load of young kids putting their final $500 and they're going to buy some JPEGs and yeah. Well, unfortunately, the um, Bitcoin um, investment tips going on in the office are going to have to wait for a bit because now Boris has announced you shouldn't go into an office unless you have to. Yeah. So it's probably going to be Mark. So it's probably going to be like March, April until I can start um, um, orange pilling everyone again. It, I think it also goes back to what we were saying before, though, right? So, I mean, you're talking about the people at the conference. They, they weren't going into the office, so they weren't hear from people that may be a little bit more educated and deeper into Bitcoin. And so, and so with inflation going up, they'll see that um, things, they'll just get desperate. And, and when you get desperate, you do silly things and you don't make rational decisions. So therefore, they'll probably get deeper and deeper into shitcoins, NFTs, and so on. It's buying lottery tickets. It's yeah, you know, buying shit coins. It's putting a twenty-fold or whatever the limit is, ten-fold accumulator for like you know, putting on a hundred quid or a grand or something. These are the kind of patterns where someone is just going, "I need to make some money." Yeah, it's why you always see betting shops in the poorest areas. People are desperate, aren't they? And they want to turn their their audio course. They want to turn their last fifty quid into five hundred. And um, all they end up doing is losing their 50. It's a really sad state of effect that their time preference just goes super high when you're, yeah. when you're that desperate. You can't, you don't want to put 50 quid in and wait five years and it'll be worth 100. You need, yeah. you need the money you're today. Just, you're scrabbling around and you just, well, can't go on even keel. Yeah. Uh, let me share a story with you, actually, which is uh, like, I, I was going to put, uh, I don't really play the lottery at all or gamble. Um, but I felt like I needed to, but I still didn't. So yesterday, I went to London and got into London about four o'clock-ish. Somehow, my keys had fallen out of my pocket on the platform, and I didn't realise this at all. Um, and they had been on the platform, so I was told, and only handed in today. So when I went to go and get the train today at like 940. 920s come in. I'm sat around on the mezzanine floor and I'm thinking, oh, let me just get my keys, like just to make sure I find them. Could not find them for the life of me after a solid minute, like solid 10 minutes checking. So then I think, right, I don't remember seeing it in the hotel. Let me go down and see if they've been reported into Lost and Found. And she said, yeah. They've been reported. Here they are. So a day later. So I'm like, hold on. So they have been somehow on the platform. And you've obviously got to think about London Euston and how busy it was. So from four o'clock 
they had not at all been handed in until today. And someone's just handed them in. And she was just like, yeah, there you go. And, um, and, and, and then so I was in the supermarket today and I saw lottery tickets and I was just like, surely I should be putting like... But you know why, Sean? You know why it took a day to hand in? Why? So walking around Houston... Yeah, probably. I'm going like that at every single car. <laughs> yeah. It's the yeah. same brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I can't believe you got them back. I can't believe I got them back at all. I'm like, this is wow. Guess... have your details on it or something. Did it have your name? No, no. They were just handed in, as in the keys were handed in. And so when I was there, I then had to explain, like, what the keys were like. So right. one had a black bulb, one had a green one, one, you know, this make brand car uh and so on and she was just like yeah yeah i've got them <laughs> just all casual and i'm like trying to as i am super cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> like on the surface inside i was just like oh my god not believe it I cannot she, <laughs> because you'd have to um obviously get your spare key from home take it to a bmw or some other place and get it decoded yeah and get it yeah. reset just in case obviously there's a low chance because well your key's been down in down in london but still you'd have to do it as an absolute just in case someone actually figures it out yeah or if there is a way of figuring it out yeah and there was a chance as well where i was potentially going to get on the earlier train so if I'd have got on the earlier train then i wouldn't have even checked my bag and i would have been obviously hundreds of miles away from the lost and found in london it was just uh, very fortuitous wow well what you what would have got you over losing your keys if you had a is our last story and it would have been <laughs> it had been sailor listen <laughs> speaking sweet nothings to you about bitcoin <laughs> to the sound of running water for as long as you want yeah. it like goes on for an hour and then if you get bored of repeating that one over and over, there's a jungle variant and also a space variant. So I think there's about six hours of content there. It's proper meditation. There's lots of running water, nice sounds, birds squawking and stuff, nice and and just the nice tones of Michael Saylor talking about money. <laughs> it's it is by far. I've watched a lot of weird Bitcoin videos. This one just topped it. This one was just, who is listening to this? <laughs> Even weirder than the, um, the, the song, I can't remember what her name was, where she's talking about Michael Saylor being the Bitcoin ball ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just normal weird, right? It's just, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it is. <laughs> That's the normal weird you get on Bitcoin Twitter, but this is just very mainstream meditation. But with Michael Saylor... I watched it for like five minutes. It's the least relaxing thing I've ever heard because Sailor keeps saying stuff that's so profound that I'm like, oh my God, yeah. Like you see jumping up. It's also, um, Sailor hasn't really got the most relaxing of voices, has no, it? It's quite like harsh, isn't it? Or like a bit squeaky. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's almost like a proper nerd voice. Yeah. yeah. It's um, Talking of nerd voice when, um, oh, what's his face? Jordan Peterson. He openly acknowledged, like somebody said, that his voice sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and ever since, I can't now get my mind away from thinking, yeah, he's right. 
Yeah, there's there's some good Bitcoiners. I think there's um, a guy called Guy Swan. He does a lot of audio work for some of the audio books and podcasts and some of the videos and like short films that you'll see, you'll see about Bitcoin. He does the voiceover. And he has such a nice, smooth, like radio voice. And it just goes, you know, just straight away has this certain amount of authority with it, but just soothing as well. Mm. And um, it's just so important, I think, if you have that. And yeah, unfortunately, Sailor doesn't have it. Saferdeen's got quite a strong accent as well. So he's, he's, he's hard to listen to for long periods of time, I find. It just hurts my brain to listen. I'm constantly yeah. having to like work out the accent back to, to what he's actually saying. And he's saying complex yeah. stuff. So it's, it's hard on the brain anyway, just listening to him, even if it was perfect <laughs> English. Then when they add the accent on, it just becomes t- even more tiring. But yeah, no, I, I wouldn't, I, I listen to my Bitcoin content to be informed. If I'm trying to go to sleep, that ain't going to do it. That's going to freaking give me nightmares. Yeah. Well, I actually really uh, value all of the listeners that tune in because I think, oh my gosh, you, you've tuned in for hours listening to our, my voice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I think this isn't a voice for radio for, or, or any type of podcast. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And our impressions of jet skis. <laughs> 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 Talking of uh, really good voices is um is a lady called uh, Paula Pants, and um, she doesn't really she I've not really talked or seen anything uh, where she talks about Bitcoin, but she gives some real sound advice about money uh, and like how she saved and how she got out of the rat race and how she became financially independent. Um, in her vehicle, surprise, surprise, was property. But she interviews a lot of people that give sound money uh, financial advice. And I think she's got a really good radio voice. Uh, she used to be a writer. Um, but I would rate her as probably one of the, like, genuinely one of the best interviewers with the questions that she asks people and the way that she follows it up as well. Um, yeah, if you ever get time, a lady called Paula Pant, P-A-N-T, uh, I'll, I'll send it into the group and then maybe we'll also uh, post it. Uh, it's nothing, unfortunately, at this moment in time about anything crypto-related or Bitcoin. We need to start, start hammering her comments. What about Bitcoin? Yeah, 100%. Come on, Boomer. I'm already on. <laughs> and what's going on with that weird name, Paula? Pants. Yeah, yeah. It must be well. Unfortunately, she's married, so it's the husband's fault. Yeah, I've never taken that. It literally sounds no, like enough. Paula Pants up. Yeah, yeah. Paula, Paula Pants. <laughs> um, I think obviously Pump's got a good voice, and he talks very fast. Yeah, I think he's better on TV. Because mm. um, he's got the he's got the persona as well. Yeah. I think I think all of them, I, everyone that's got famous is best in person. I think, but for radio, you just need it has to be the voice, doesn't it? Whereas if it's yeah, in person, it if it's a, a conference or on TV, your voice kind of blends in because it's about how you position yourself and just and normally what you say is probably more important than what it sounds like. But on radio, you, like everything that you get from that you lose from seeing them comes across in the voice, and if your voice isn't isn't perfect then i think it's a bit of a struggle which is why i think it's tough to have a good podcast because if you don't got these nice soft tones i know I have to put my voices through like some voice editor or something to try and like get more listeners 
Yeah, yeah. So again, thanks, listeners. Um, is that us done through the stories? Yeah, we're done. That's it. Right. Well, <laughs> I'll close this out and say once again, like, share, comment, and uh, subscribe, of course, to the world's most bullish podcast. This has been episode number 34, brought to you by Dr. Evil 10%, Mr. All In. Myself, so never look. And she was here, but she wasn't here. Mrs. No Show. Plebs, if you want to hear it.